You are listening to the LifePoint Christian Church Podcast. In this episode, Pastor Chris continues in our sermon series called Ben Says. In this series, we take a look at the role of money in our lives and how we can use money as a tool, or how we allow money to dictate our lives. Let's listen in. Well, as I mentioned, we're wrapping up our series, Ben Says. And for the most part, if your money could talk, if my money could talk, for the most part, we wouldn't be surprised by what our money would tell us. But the real shocker is the parallel between what our money would say if it could talk and what Jesus said when he actually did talk. And in week one, we discovered our money might say to us, Ben might say to us, the Benjamins might say to us, I can add meaning to your life, but don't get confused. I am not the meaning of life. And so we asked the question, to what ends do you want your life to be a means? I mean, this is a question that I hope all of us at some point, like we just really get into this question. We wrestle with it to the ground because our lives are most meaningful when our lives become a means to an end that's that's not just about us. Second, we talked about how our money would say, how the the Benjamins, so to speak, would say, they'd say, I'm a much better servant than I am a master. And in fact, your self-control and my self-control will actually determine who or what gets control of our life. Because the reality is, in our lives, our money woes, our money challenges, generally aren't a money issue. They're a character issue. They're a choice issue. They're a decision issue. And so we're wrapping our series up today. What's the final thing that money would say to us? What would the Benjamins say to us? And what we're going to see is that what the money would say to us is exactly, it parallels exactly what Jesus told us when he talked about money and possessions. And here's what Ben would say to you and I. Here's what the Benjamins would say. It'd say, hey, I'm easy to keep up with, but I'm real difficult to catch up with. I'm easy to keep up with, but I'm extremely difficult to catch up with. So Ben would say, keep up. Or the reality is you will be paying catch-up. Keep up or you'll be playing catch-up. It's a little bit like staying warm. You know this, right? It's easier to stay warm than to get warm. Have you figured that out? Right? I know, for example, I'll go to the gym and I'll swim in the evening. And on those evenings when it's just really cold and the wind's blowing heavily and the pool feels colder and I'm swimming and I'm cold the whole time. I'm even shivering a little bit. And I get out of the pool. I even try to go into the spa real quick. But, you know, gyms, they don't keep the spa hot enough. And then I'll get in the shower and try to get as warm as I can. And that doesn't get me warm enough because I'm so cold. And I'll get in the car and I'll turn the heat all the way up. Up. And have you ever been like in your car or something and, and you put the heat so hot and you're so cold that like what, your fingers and your toes, when it touches the heat, they tingle? You guys know what I'm talking about? Like, like it's just, you're so cold. Well, why is that happening? It's like I, you're trying, your body's doing everything. It's working overtime to try to get warm. It's burning more calories trying to stay warm. This is, you know, the blood vessels on your skin are constricting because your body, your mind, everything is saying keep the vital organs warm. Your body works in overtime if it's cold to try to get warm. And that's just kind of how it works. So when, when we think about that financially, it's the same thing. When you fall behind financially, 
It's like trying to get warm and you're just like trying to burn more calories, so to speak, and burn more energy, which basically means when you fall behind financially and you're trying to catch up, man, you get more stressed out, right? You get more worried. It just takes more energy. And there's a whole lot more stress when we have to play catch up financially. It's so much harder on you and on your relationships when you have to catch up financially. And the truth is this, there really is no excuse for not knowing where our money has been going, right? I mean, there's no excuse for it. There's no, there shouldn't be in our life, well, you know, someone asks you, where's your money going? We shouldn't be saying, well, you know, it seems like, well, I think maybe it's going here. I'm not sure, you know, I'll have to check. And the reason we should be certain and the reason there should be no uncertainty is because a certain amount comes in and then we send it somewhere. A certain amount comes in and then we send it somewhere. Or as we said, Ben would say, I will always go where you send me. Or another way to say it is you and I should always be knowing where our money is going. We should always be knowing where our money is going. In other words, there shouldn't be a mystery. It shouldn't be mysterious about, hey, where's our money going? I mean, the reality is there's a lot of mysteries in life. For example, there's a lot of mystery involved when it comes to love and relationships, right? I mean, you look at the person, if you're with somebody, you look at the person next to you, you're like, man, they're a mystery. I can't figure them out. You know, you know that's true. If you have kids, you don't want to say it out loud, you know, but I get it. So, you know, if you have kids, there's a lot of mystery when it comes to raising kids and trying to figure that out. There's a lot of mystery in life, but there should be no mystery when it comes to where our money is going. Now, the problem is when we don't know where it's going, when we've lost track with where our money's going, there's a whole financial thing that goes on or emotional thing that takes place in our life. And you've experienced some of those emotions. If you don't know where it's going and you've lost track and, and finances aren't good, man, it's emotional. You feel out of control you get all worked up because you have all this money, but you can't seem to pay for everything. You have all this money, but you can't seem to get ahead. You always are behind. So consequently, all of us, whether you're a Christian or you're not a Christian, whether you're religious or not religious, all of us need a plan. We need a plan to track our spending so that we know where our money is going. And this is true whether you have a lot or whether you have a little. Because I know the pushback when you say, oh, I gotta have a plan to track it. If you don't have much, if you're here this morning and you don't have much, you're thinking to yourself, there's no point in tracking it because I already know that there's not enough to keep up anyway. So I'm not gonna bother. And for those of you who have a little or maybe a little more or have a lot, you say, well, I don't really need to follow it. I don't really need to track it because I have enough, I have plenty, it works out, so I don't need to pay attention. But here's what we're going to discover today, especially if you're a Jesus follower, is that there is every reason in the world to keep up with and track where our money is going. We all need a plan to track where it's going, whether we have a little or whether we have a lot. And I'm going to give you a specific challenge in a, in a few minutes, but here's the deal. If you will develop this habit there won't be any guessing. If you will develop this habit, there won't be, well, it seems, or I think it's headed here. And if this happens, if you develop this habit, you will have way less worrying in your life. Now, 
in the seasons of life where you live paycheck to paycheck. For some of you, for probably a lot of us here, that's maybe even most of us. This habit of knowing where it's going, developing this habit, if you know that, it is going to take the pressure off in your life. What do I mean by that? For example, there are seasons in your life and my life where we have to cut back financially. In fact, if there's ever been a single time in your life where you had to cut back financially for whatever reason, raise your hand. If, that's, if you've ever had to do that. See, that's, that's, that's most of us in this room. It sounds like not all of you. The other two services, it was everybody. And so, so most of us, if not all of us, there's a season we got to cut back. And I don't care how spiritual you are. I don't care how mature you are. It's not easy to realize, oh man, I got to spend less. I got to spend less. And it happens to everybody at some point. Whether you go from two incomes to one income, whether you lose a job, whether you move, whether there's a setback with your business or in the, in the marketplace or kids go off to college or whatever it is, there comes a point when it's like, oh man, I have to make some cuts. And when that time comes, it is so much easier to deal with and it takes the pressure off when you already know where your money is going. Because if you already know where it's going, you'll know what it is that you need to scale back on. You already have that information. Hey, we got to make some cuts. No problem. I know what we're spending on. I know where it's going. Here's some ways, here's some areas that we can cut back. So if you're living paycheck to paycheck and things are tight, Doing what we're talking about today actually makes your life easier, and it takes the pressure off when you track it. Now, for those of you who have seasons or years of margin, maybe you have extra, maybe you have enough, this habit of knowing where it's going actually puts the pressure on in a good way. Now, here's what I mean by that. As you and I accumulate more and more, as we have more stuff, as we have more money, as we have more income, as we have more margin in our life, by keeping track of where our money goes, you and I are going to be confronted with something. We're going to be confronted with the reality of how much we spend on ourselves. And we're going to be confronted with that. And we're also going to be confronted with how much or how little we give away. Now, Oftentimes, when we're confronted with that, that'll be embarrassing. But you know what? It can also be motivating. And it can also be inspiring. Because remember, life is most meaningful for you and for me when our lives are a means to an end that's not just ourselves. So, once you know where it's going, once you get in the habit of paying attention and looking at it, it'll keep a healthy pressure on Because the more you have, the more that I have, the more you make, the closer attention you and I should be paying to where it's going. Not because you have to, but because as we're going to see in a moment, it's actually in our best interest. Jesus said something in Luke chapter 12. You don't need to turn there now, but, but he said it's in our best interest to track it. And here's why. In Luke 12, if you go read through that parable, it's interesting. He said this, if you're not careful, If you don't track, if you don't pay attention, if you're not careful, those of you who have extra, who have margin, which we live in America, we on some capacity have that. If we're not careful, we will begin to hoard that all for ourselves. And he talked about in this passage, he said, you'll start to store up treasures on earth 
for yourself at the exclusion of storing up treasure in heaven also. And he said, if that happens to us, later on, it'll be in a source of extreme embarrassment to us. So I want to give us a little challenge. I just want to give us a little challenge. Last week, I challenged you for the next 60 days, for the next two months, to choose a percentage of your income, and every time you get paid, choose to give a, a percentage of it away first. That becomes the first thing you do. Remember, we said the normal pattern for most of us is to live, save, and give. We live on what we have. If there's some extra, we'll save a little for ourselves, and if there's anything left over, we'll maybe give it away. But that's not God's plan for us. God's plan is to flip that script, flip that list, that we start by first, when we're paid, we give a portion of our income, a percentage of our income away, that we save a little for our future, and then whatever's left, we live on that. And so last week, we challenged you, hey, for just two months, try it. Try it. Flip that list, and when you get paid, you give a percentage of your income away first. And as you do that, I asked you to pay attention to that internal tension that creates in you. To actually pay attention to that because I want you to figure out, I want you to discover why do we have the resistance to giving a portion away first? Where does that come from? What is that about? And as we begin to wrestle with that, we're going to discover who and what is really the Lord of our life. Who and what is really the Lord of our life? Now, I want to add to last week's challenge to, when we get paid, give a portion of our income away first. Give it somewhere, some way, somehow. This week, I want to challenge you for 60 days, two months. I want you to document your spending. I want you to track your spending. I want you to pay attention, and in a few moments, we're going to see how this is exactly what Jesus kind of led us towards and led us into. I want you to spy on your money, so to speak. I want you to pay attention. I want you to follow it. I want you to pay attention where it's going. I want you to pay attention to what it's doing. Now, here's what's really cool. You and I live in a day and age where this is super easy to do. We have all this that's free software, free apps out there. It's easy for us nowadays to track where our money is going. So I want us to track it for two months. And second, I want you to then not only track it, but I want you then, as you're tracking it, to pause every once in a while and pay attention and look at where you're spending it. And then adjust accordingly. So pay attention to where it's going, have a deep look at it, and if necessary, make some adjustments. Because for some of you, as you begin to do this, as you begin to track it, you're going to be thrilled by what you see. I mean, you're going to get excited about that. For some of you, as you begin to track it, you're going to be shocked by what you have seen and what you observe. In fact, even as I'm saying this this morning, saying, man, we want you to track it for 60 days. If you're here this morning and you are married, one of you hates me right now for bringing this up. And the other of you wants to come run up here and give me a hug and say, man, I've been asking for this for years, but my spouse won't. Now, here's the good news for those of you who hate me right now. I'm not asking you to do this the rest of your life. I'm not asking for that. Just for two months, 60 days, track your spending. And then sit down and pay attention and adjust accordingly. Now, for those of you who are here this morning, you say, you know what? I, I, I'm good. I don't need to do this because I already have all the info. I, my bank statement's there, you know, my credit card statement. I already have it. I can grab it anytime I want. Listen, that misses the point. 
knowing you can know is not the same as actually knowing. Okay, I already have all that information. Knowing I can know is not the same as actually, just having access to it isn't the same of actually sitting down, paying close attention, budgeting, categorizing it, and looking where you spend it in each of the areas of your life. So, two months, just 60 days, pay attention and really, really know where it's going. Now, this is a good habit. It's a good habit, if for no other reason, for practical reasons. Whether you're a Christian or not a Christian here this morning, this, what we're talking about, is just a good practice. Last year, uh, I referenced Chris Hogan's book. At the time, it was a brand new book, Everyday Millionaire. Uh, I read it, an incredible book. I highly encourage you to read it if you haven't read it yet. It's incredibly motivating. And when we think about habits and whatnot, it is, it, it is a great, great book. And one of the things that happened as they did this study of 10,000 millionaires, it was the largest study ever in the history of the world. Uh, before that, they had only studied, people had only studied up to 900 millionaires. So your sample size was so gigantic, and which means the, the information was, was way more accurate. But anyway, one of the things that, that, that we know is that there are about 11 million millionaires in the United States. Okay, so there's 11 million millionaires. The top three professions of the 11 million millionaires are engineer, accountant, and teacher. Teacher. That's right. Teachers. Only 15% of the 11 million millionaires in America are top level or senior leadership type, have senior leadership type positions. It's why the book's entitled Everyday Millionaires, because the majority of millionaires in our country are just like you and me. Second in this, 33% of the 11 million millionaires, this is what's fascinating to me, 33% of them have never, ever, in any single year of their life, had a six-figure income, ever. 31% of the 11 million millionaires were able to hit around the 100,000 mark a few times in their life. That's, that's startling to think about, but here's what's the most important discovery, in my opinion. Of the 11 million millionaires in our country, 93% of them still live on a budget. I want you to let that soak in for a moment. 93% of them still track where their money is going. After all, that's what got them to millionaire status in the first place. But the reality is so many of us are struggling financially. So many of us are upside down financially and lost financially. And the reason is we don't have any idea where it's going. We just know we don't have it. We don't track it. So practically speaking, what do you got to lose? I'm seriously, what do you have to lose? If this is what 93% of the millionaires do, even now to this day, even as millionaires, if they track it, if they follow it, what do we have to lose to try it for just 60 days, for two months? Now, for those of you who are Jesus followers, those of you who say, yes, Jesus, you are my Lord and my Savior, what we're talking about today goes way beyond practical and helpful. And here's why I say it, because it goes a little bit back to what we talked about last week. And we asked this question last week, why is it easier for so many of us to trust Jesus with our eternity? Why is that easier for us to trust Jesus with our eternity than it is to trust Jesus with our money and our finances and our possessions and our earthly future? 
That's just odd. I mean, when we're sick, we ask Jesus to intervene with our health. When you have a prodigal child, we ask God to intervene with that on behalf of our child. When our kids, you know, go off somewhere and we want protection, you know, go off to college or camp or whatever, and we pray for all of that. In other words, as a Christian, you invite God into every area of your life that you can invite him into. So why wouldn't we lean just as heavily on to God in the area of our money, our stuff, our finances, and our earthly future? Why would we hold that back? from God. Why wouldn't we invite him in and his way of doing things when it comes to our money and our finances? Well, I can tell you why. There's a couple of reasons. <laughs> it's easier to trust Jesus with everything else in our life but money because those areas of our life we don't have any control over, right? We don't have any control over our health or this or that, you know, so that's, oh, okay, that's out there. I don't have any control over that. And second, many of those categories that we invite Jesus into, we don't actually get to actually see it, right? Versus my money, the Benjamins, I have it, I see it. My bank account, it's like it's right there. And so I feel like I have control over this, but I don't have control over those things. So yeah, that's easy to invite Jesus into that. And this is why Jesus is so brilliant. It's why he's the master teacher, the master storyteller. Even if you're not convinced yet that Jesus is God's son, this is why you and I should be leaning into the, teachers of, the teachings of Jesus. Because Jesus knew something is brilliant. Jesus knew that our money, our stuff, our possessions, our money, what it represents to us, that this is where the rubber meets the road in terms of where our ultimate devotion lies. Jesus knew that. So when Jesus started talking about, you know, where our heart is, he was like, that's where your money is. Matthew chapter 6. And he said, the ultimate measure of your test of devotion to God is what you do with this. It's what you do with your money. And a person, Jesus said, you can't have two masters. You cannot serve both God and the devil. But that's not what he said. He didn't say it's God or the devil. He said, you cannot serve both God and what? God and money. Because Jesus knew. He's brilliant. He knew that along with, our, along with money and our quest for more and, and, and providing for ourselves on earth, Jesus knew that whole thing was the chief competitor for our heart and for our devotion. He just knew. The thing that was competing for your heart and my heart was our money. So over and over and over, Jesus was like, come on, guys. Come on, come on, come on. You trust me with your eternity. You trust me with your health. You trust me with your kids and your relationships and, and your jobs or your joblessness or opportunities. Why would you hold back from me when it comes to your money and possessions? Jesus was like, it doesn't make sense. What did Jesus say about money and possessions? He was clear. It's not even yours anyway. It all belongs to our Heavenly Father, that we are not owners of it. We're simply managers. In fact, in Matthew chapter 25, I'd like you to turn there now. Matthew chapter 25. You can go in your Bibles. You can go on the YouVersion Bible app if you prefer. In Matthew 25, Jesus is going to share these parables. And let me just take a moment to explain this to you. He's going to share parables about the kingdom of God and how the kingdom of God intersects with the here and now. Because here's the deal when Jesus taught, did parables and shared these parables. Jesus was constantly saying to us, here's what the kingdom of God looks like here and now on earth. 
Here's what it looks like to live out the kingdom of God, not just something way out there, but the kingdom of God here and now. Here's what it looks like. And over and over and over, these parables of Jesus, they just intersected with our money and our possessions. It happened over because Jesus knew the chief competitor for our heart was money and stuff and possessions. And so in one of these famous parables, it's a parable you, you might even know well. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. He said this again. <laughs> said again because he had talked about this a lot. Again, it referring to what? The kingdom of God coming here. And here's what it looks like here on earth. Again, the kingdom of God would be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted whose wealth? Let's say it together. Entrusted whose wealth? Entrusted his wealth to them. Now, when Jesus tells parables, there's always two different groups of people in the parable. There's always somebody in the parable who represents God, and there's always somebody who represents you and me, represents us. And in Matthew 25, it's really clear that the wealthy man who is entrusting his wealth to his servants, it's clear that's God, the wealthy man, and that the servants represent you and I. And here's the question. It's not a trick question. What percentage of the wealth belonged to the wealthy man? What was the percentage? All of it, 100%. What percentage of the wealthy man's wealth belonged to the servants? What's the percentage? Zero, right? None of it. It's all the masters. And this master, this wealthy man saying, I'm entrusting you to manage it for me. So if you read through the parable, it's kind of interesting. He, it tells us he gives one of the servants five bags of something of value. He gives another servant two bags of something of value. He gives another servant one bag of something of value. And he said to them this, he says, listen, while I'm gone, I want you to manage my money in the way that you think I would want you to manage it. And I'm going to be back and I'm going to come back later. And you're going to give me a progress report. You're going to give me an update on what you did with what I asked you to manage. So in the story, again, some of you might know it really well. You can read it another time. Uh, two of them do really well. They basically double the manager's money. One of them doesn't do so well. He, he just buries the money. And what was it that made a difference in the story? What made the difference when the master returned and asked them to give an account? The issue was not the amount that he gave them. It wasn't the five or the two or the one. The issue was what they did with what they were managing. And Jesus' point is the same for all of them, for us, that 100% of it is, is God's. We're, just, we're not owners. We're just managers. And so as managers, we are called to manage it well because the owner will return. He will ask you. He will ask me to give an account. Now, this is important when you and I start to think about our, our first 60-day challenge and giving first, giving a portion of our income away. So this is important when we start thinking in terms of, you know, giving or, or even tithing. Remember, God has said, as money managers, he, remember we we'd said last week that God says, I want you to give away first a portion of that income, give it back. As Christians, give it back to me before you spend on yourself. 
Now, I got to tell you, I think it's a great aim for us, a great goal for us to tithe. I, I just think it is. We don't talk about that a lot here. We don't hammer on that. We don't, it's not a legalistic thing for us, but a tithe, literally 10% is what it means. I think it's a great thing for us to give a tenth or a tithe of our income back to God. Now, some of you, you know, you're working towards that. You've picked a percentage, you know, hey, that's just kind of a good be- benchmark historically with Christianity and all that. It's a good benchmark. Some of you are there. Some of you are like, you know what? I realize that's just training wheels. It's a benchmark, but God, God's taken me beyond that and you're giving more. So whether it's less or there or more, it's just kind of this benchmark. But here's the danger. And it's the danger that I think it's so easy for all of us to fall into. The danger is this, is for us to think that 100% of what we have is ours and I'm choosing to give a percentage of it away or give it to God. Don't miss this. The danger is to think 100% of it is ours and I'm gonna give some of it back to God. Jesus did not teach that. Jesus taught that it was all God's. We simply manage all of it. He's the owner, we're the manager. We are the steward. We need to be good stewards of it because we will give an account, not for the percentage we gave away, but for all of it. That's what he's calling us to. Now, here's the great news about this paradigm. And here's the great news, and again, this is why Jesus is so brilliant. Because no matter how much money you have, no matter how much stuff you have, no matter how much security you have, no matter how much money you make, no matter how much possessions you have, Whatever it is that you have, here's what's cool. You should never, ever, ever feel guilty. And you should never allow anybody to cause you to feel guilty. Not a preacher, not a teacher, not a friend. You should never feel guilty. You want to know why you should never feel guilty? You should never feel guilty because a money manager doesn't feel guilty. It's not theirs. A money manager doesn't feel guilty. It's not their wealth. If you know you're a money manager, you're not going to feel guilty. What are you going to feel? You're going to feel responsible. You're going to feel accountable. But you're not going to feel guilty. And you're going to feel responsible and accountable for how much of it? How, what percentage? How much? All. Not 5%, 10%, 20%. You're going to feel responsible and accountable for all of it. Listen, this is a paradigm shift. For most people. I mean, it really is. But Jesus could not have been more clear. The reason you and I need to keep track of where all of our money going is going is because none of it is our money. We're going to give an account for all of it. So you and I should be knowing where our master's money is going. He's the master, we're the servant. We should be knowing where our master's money is going. We should be paying attention to where we're sending it. So I just want to encourage you Develop a system. Develop some habits and track it. Do it for 60 days and pay attention. Now remember, when we think of habits, we did a series on habits. Remember, when when, when you are going to develop a habit, the key is to what? Make it easy, make it obvious. Make it easy, make it obvious. And we have software and we have apps out there that make it easy for us. Dave Ramsey has a great one. It's called Every Dollar. There's a free version. You got, it requires a little bit of work on your part, but it's free. There's a paid version, which is like literally, it's so simple. Everything gets dumped in. You just do some quick drags and drops and, and you are done. It takes hardly any time and you can track every dime of it. And I can tell you this, 
I've talked to enough people over the years. I've led enough uh, uh, financial peace universities. I've heard your testimonies. Here's the reality. If you will budget, if you will track it, if you will know where it is going, you will feel like you got a raise. So some of you are like, eh, I'm not getting a raise anytime soon. I, there's not enough money. First question always that I have for people, are you actually tracking it? Is there actually a budget? Well, you know, Kaya, no, no, are you really tracking it? And the answer is always no. But I can tell you, you want to raise today. In fact, very simple. If you want to raise, raise your hand. So those who aren't raising your hand, everybody who they didn't raise their hand, go to them. They're loaded. They don't need any more money. <laughs> we all want to raise. And you're going to get it. Like, you're going to get it instantly when you begin to track it. So create a system where you monitor where your money goes. And every once in a while, stop and just take a look. And if you don't like what you see, adjust. Because you look and you realize, oh my goodness, how could two people spend so much money on themselves? You look and you realize, oh my goodness, I didn't realize I eat so much money. You look and realize, I, I didn't realize I wear so much money. And if you were here last week and you heard my illustration with the, you know, the Costco bag and the clothes, and if you were here for all that, if you weren't, go listen. And, and, you know, God was convicting me. I don't know what it was. I took a few of them back this week. So, so you know, yeah, yeah, don't clap. That's, I mean, I, had, I should have figured that out a long time ago. Like, don't buy it. And the person was like, I said, I don't have a receipt or anything. You know, this was a long time ago. I don't know, a couple of years ago or whatever. And, and, and the person's looking. I said, I just want to bring a couple back. And so they're looking through and they're like, oh, you did buy a lot. <laughs> that was their response. I said, yeah, you know, I got some issues. But at church, the preacher talked about this, so... <laughs> I, wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to bring some back. I bought some things. <laughs> that was a good question, dude. Good question. I bought staples. I bought staples. Might have splurged a little bit, but bought, no, no, no. That was good. So let's create a system. Pay attention. If we need to make some adjustments, adjust, adjustments, then adjust. Because the bottom line is this, how you and I manage our money, his money, speaks volumes about who you are and whose you are. So let's, let's be those people who just say, I'm going to track it. I'm going to follow it. I'm going to pay attention. If I don't like everything that I'm seeing, I'm going to make the adjustments. So we're wrapping up our series today. We're going to move on. Next week, we're going to kick off a series in 1 John. I'm so excited to share it. It's going to be kind of take us on, a, on an amazing ride together. But before we jump there, one more time. If our money could talk, if the Benjamins could speak to us, what would Ben say? Ben would say, I can add meaning to your life, but I'm definitely not the meaning of life. Ben would tell you and I, I'm actually pretty easy to keep up with, but I am really, really difficult to catch up with. And so you're going to find yourself stressed out if you lose track of me. So keep track of me. Always be knowing where I am going. And then ultimately reflecting the words and teachings of Jesus, Ben would say, you know, whatever it is you choose to do with me, wherever you choose to spend, send me, that's going to be an indicator of who you are.
and whose you are. So let's go for it. For some of you, this is going to be the first time to give this a try, to put into practice what God says to us and put his principles in. For some of us, you've been here for years and years and years, whether our church, other churches, and no matter where you go, you seem like, man, every church talks about this topic. You can't get away from it. It's because the scriptures Jesus knew where your heart is, there your treasure is. And so for some of you, it's time to say, I'm going to give it a try. I'll try for 60 days. And I'm going to make the decision for 60 days. When I get this, when it comes in, I'm going to give a percentage of it away first. And I'm going to track where all of it goes for the next 60 days. And I'll make adjustments if necessary. necessary. And I can tell you this, I can promise you this. If you will take God up on this challenge, if you will put into practice his principles when it comes to our money, our stuff, and our possessions, you're going to live far better than you live now. You will love better than you love now. And you will be far more generous than you even are today. You'll have way less fear in your life. And there's going to be a greater sense of purpose. Now, before we walk away from this series, I just want to say a thank you. I want to say thank you to those who are here this morning who you, you already get this or you figured it out and you've been trying to apply this and practice this and, and you, when we do these series, you get excited more than anybody else because you're like me, you're praying that more would join in and experience the freedom that comes from doing our finances God's way. And so I just say thank you to those of you who get this because your kingdom-minded generosity has enabled LifePoint, your church, to impact hundreds, I say thousands, tens of thousands of lives across the world and in our community. And so those of you who, you have a plan, you have the habit, I say thank you. It has allowed us as the leaders of this church to budget better and smarter. It has allowed us to be better stewards of what you've entrusted to our care. So thank you, thank you, thank you. For those of you who are here this morning, you say, I want to join in. I want to be a part of that. God invites you. Your life will be changed. And as we've said, what we're talking about, this, becomes a, this is a keystone habit that literally changes a whole bunch of things in your life that don't even connect. And God uses to grow you in your relationship with him so you can experience more of the life God has for you. So I invite you to take this challenge. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. God, hearing this message, hearing these messages, and I pray, God, your Holy Spirit has been convicting every single heart here today. If you're here this morning and you're ready to take this challenge, some for the first time, some for the tenth time, some of you, it's just a reaffirmation, would you pray something like this? Say, Lord Jesus, I hear what you're saying. I come before you today. I surrender all of my life to you, including my finances. And so God, with your strength, I commit to you these next 60 days. And I commit to you to giving away a percentage of my income first when I get paid. And God, I also commit to tracking where my money's going. Because I know it's not mine, it's yours. And you've entrusted it to me. And I want to be a good manager. So God, I commit to tracking it, and if I need to make adjustments, I tell you today, I will adjust accordingly. And God, I just, I pray, God, that 
what the pastor's saying is true, that this becomes a keystone habit that literally changes so much of my entire life. So Jesus, here's my life. Here's my finances. I surrender them to you. May you be glorified in my life. In Jesus' name I pray. God, hear these prayers and use this, Lord, to transform more and more people's hearts and lives. God, that they'd experience more of the abundant life, Jesus, that you came to give us. And I pray, God, that happens because they took this step, because they understand we can't serve you and money, and so we want to serve you. And so, God, we lay even our money before you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We hope you enjoyed this message from Pastor Chris. You can learn more about us by visiting us online at lifepoint.org. If you are ever in the Sacramento area, we would love to see you in person. Events and sermon times can be found on our website. Thank you for listening, and we hope you join us for our next episode.